you have to understand that power is, period. If you use it and exercise it or not, it's going to be picked up and used and exercised by someone else. Right. Welcome to the Blueprint for California Advocates podcast. My name is Christina Boss Hamilton. I am the founder of KBH Advocacy based in beautiful Sacramento, California. This is a podcast for people who are building a world where communities have more political power than corporations. Let's start the show. Two things about today's episode. First, I have the pleasure to be talking with Jovan AG. And Jovan is the person who offered me my first job in California 12 years ago when I came here from the East Coast um, and working started working at UDW, the United Domestic Workers. And I will always be thankful to him for giving me that opportunity. He's now the CEO of AG Global Solutions. Second, we start off talking about local government advocacy and wind up getting into a deep dive on power building and mindset. Hope you get a lot out of it as I absolutely did. Enjoy. I am really pleased to have on today Jovan AG, who is an old friend. He was actually my old boss at UDW and we have remained in touch and I just learned a lot, Jovan, over the years about lobbying and he's working on a lot of really exciting things right now. Thanks for being here. I appreciate your time and I'd love for you to take a moment to introduce yourself and what brought you to where you are right now. Yeah, thank you, Christina, for inviting me and having me on your show. So I currently am founder and CEO of AG Global Solutions, um, which is a government relations consulting and strategy company where my clients consist primarily of for-profit and non-profit affordable housing and market rate housing developer. I have other clients as well that are interested in everything from getting more engaged in political campaigns to lobbying, regulatory ordinance work to on the other end of the spectrum being helping with financing for real estate development projects, helping out with permitting and entitlement, and then just, you know, any other impediments that might exist as it relates to advancing a real estate development project. How are you currently engaging in local government advocacy? And what would you say are the things that your on-the-ground advocate should be thinking about? I'm going to provide a little more context. We talk about local government, it's multifaceted, right? So it's counties, it's cities, it's school districts, it's special districts, which are water utilities or JPAs, joint power authorities that are created for various purposes. Local government is comprised of all those things. You know, it's cliche, but people say all politics is local. And it's because that's the level of government where rubber meets the road. Um, that's really the level of government that is, you know, interacting most with the people. It's where you see your services executed, trash pickup, code enforcement, all those things. So when you think about any government, but local government specifically for this conversation, it's comprised of two components, right? So it's two sides of the government coin. There's the electoral side, which gets into political campaigns, political appointments, things of that nature. And there's the governance side of it. Oftentimes, what we see is for people who do pay attention to local government, oftentimes, unfortunately, it's disproportionately on the electoral side. 
Mm. Then they become less engaged on the governance side because mm. oftentimes it takes longer. It's more involved in all those things. Yeah. But if I'm a community organization, we are the ones who see people, our children with asthma or for example, in San Bernardino County, all these warehouses that are just spewing diesel exhaust into the air and has all of these physical health ramifications. How would I even go about to, to say, I want to get my city council on board or yep. my county supervisor? Where do I even start with that? Yeah, I think first and foremost, it starts with a plan. I often joke and say, I, I feel like politics and policy are two of the most disrespected industries in America. Because we have people who have an impulse, an, em an emotional knee-jerk response, and then they want to go do it, mm -hmm. right? That's not how it works. This is mm -hmm. actually an industry. It's actually a craft. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you have a problem with the educational system, you wouldn't wake up one day and go walk in a classroom and take it over. <laughs> or if you had a problem with the medical system, you wouldn't walk in a, a hospital and walk in the surgery room and take the utensils and start operating. Well, that's oftentimes what people do with politics. Mm. They get disgusted with the, and they think they can just walk into the Capitol or walk into the city hall. They haven't studied. They didn't learn the science of this industry. Then they have no successes and they blame the industry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't succeed in surgery if you didn't study medicine, if you didn't learn right. the vocabulary. You wouldn't study in education if you didn't, you know, get an EDD or things. I think for community, it first starts with one, what is your objective? Then two, you can't jump from objective to implementing and executing. You have to learn the science of this. First and foremost, the community has to figure out what it really wants and needs, right? So it can't be these abstract, arbitrary terms, right? We want a better healthcare system, okay? Like, what exactly do you mean by that? Right. Let's, let's hone in on that a little bit. Let's right. crystallize and form that thought. Right. Once we then do that, that's just step one. The next question becomes, how's it going to be paid for? Mm. Where's the money going to come from to support it? So when you talk about community, I think what we have to look at in community is what I like to do when I try to organize or mobilize community people is I like to try to compartmentalize what I call grass top leaders from mm -hmm. grassroots leaders. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because we have so many people in a lot of these cities trying to organize everybody will become a, a daunting and unachievable task. Yeah. So what I like to try to go in and find is who are the grass top leaders? And depending yeah. on the size of the jurisdiction, I kind of define that usually someone who has in a small jurisdiction, the ability to move at least 50 people, right? Mm -hmm, if you're in a small mm -hmm. town, mm -hmm. if you're somewhere like LA, a grass top leaders to me has to be defined by someone who can move at least like 500 people. Okay. And by move, what I mean is, is if they say to be somewhere at a certain time, they have enough respect and credibility that people will show up. So whether that is your pastor, that may be a teacher, that might be a PTA leader, right? Whoever it is, right, right. that person in your community who has that kind of influence, right. then I think what happens is you then convene and have conversation. In between the thought and the doing, there has to be the unsexy stuff. There has to be the cooking, the baking, the cultivating of the idea yeah. to make sure it's sound, right. to make sure it hasn't already been done before. It passes so, the smell test, first off. Does it even correct. make sense? Is it even possible you know, which level of government is the decision-making even held? Is this a federal issue, right? Like maybe right. that nobody can do anything about it. And is it even really an issue? Because sometimes things may affect us personally. Mm. And it's not to say that it's not important because it affects us um, individually. But mm -hmm. government's job is not to try to meet the needs of every single individual 24-7. It has to govern based off of the majority. It can't yeah. govern the outliers. 
It can't yeah. govern to the exceptions of the rule. Yeah. The government's job is to create the rule and to try to as much as possible mitigate exceptions, right? That best we can, what we can hope for from good government. I had a podcast interview with Ludovic Blaine from the California Donor Table, and he went into this actually a lot, this concept of co-governance. Mm. It's what you just said. People get people elected and then they walk away and just assume that people are going to do the right thing. The reality is you should be embedded as much as you can in these institutions so that you understand how they work, who has the point of leverage, who's the actual decision maker, is it the city manager or the mayor, and then press the agenda forward on all of these Things. I think what you're pointing to is if you don't know better, you jump over that piece and you, you go to, I want to implement this and just do it because it's the right thing to do. We used to talk about this a lot. And, you know, one of the things I often say is I think that this industry has intentionally also been made complicated mm-hmm. and has intentionally also not tried to simplify yes. what we're yes. talking about yes. because then it sort of makes people reliant on people like you and I, right? Yes it shifts the balance of power away from average people, which weakens a democracy. That's right. And And it makes people feel like they can't do anything. So why even bother paying attention? But if you get people to understand one, you know, this is an industry. So you have to, you know, just like when you have a child, you'll be better as a parent if you actually take some time to read and do some of the things and not just kind of leave it up to happenstance. Yeah. But also like parenting, it's a relationship. And so to your point, you wouldn't birth the child and kind of leave it and say, oh, you know, I hope they figure out how to learn how to tie a shoe, ride a bike, you know, make it to college. Don't kind of just walk away. You nurture it. Yeah. It's yeah. an investment. So I think yeah. any relationship that is successful has those same, you know, aspects to it. A lot of the reason why I started the podcast was because of exactly what you just said, which is, it's like the intimidation factor of government. It's complicated. The average person navigating this stuff is like, this is crazy. And it's intimidating and you eventually don't even try because you're like, it's all been figured out. You talk to a lot of people, super distrust, super cynical, and it shouldn't be that way because exactly what you said, democracy doesn't work that way. Um, What happens is power is consolidated into the hands of few people and it shouldn't be. So each of the guests that I bring on focus on a certain angle, all of which to demystify Like open this up, right? Like this is doable. You can do this. It's just, you need some guidance and then you need to get in it and stick with it and keep going and keep going. Here's the other reality. Grasshopped leaders don't know this either, right? (laughs) They know how to mobilize their communities, but in in terms of these intricacies, not so much. So where would you, if you had a grasshopped leader who wanted to get their community in action, where would you start with them? I, I will first start with mindset. Right. I think everything is mindset. I'm someone that believes very much in power dynamics, right? The Mm -hmm. balance of power. I talk a lot about that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people in communities have been conditioned to think they have no power, to think Mm -hmm. they're weak. Mm -hmm. And you hear it in the way that they speak when they show up. We Mm -hmm. want, we want, we want. You actually have until you forego. Mm. Right. And so people in communities already have the power. Yes. When you choose not to show up, when you choose not to get involved, now you've abrogated your power, yes. but it's still there for you to go back and get. Yes. So when you say we want, I, I tell groups all the time, I'm so disgusted and tired of sophisticated begging because you're not playing politics the right way. 
Mm. Politics is like any other relationship. You make clear what your expectations are. You know, I want to be married. I want to have two kids. If after <laughs> two years that doesn't happen, you have a choice to make. Mm -hmm. Democracy is the same way. So you don't go in and any relationship say, I can't give me, I want. That's not how power works, right? Especially in a democracy where you've already been given power. Mm -hmm. It's the mindset. It's vocabulary. Mm -hmm. It has to be turned around because many people are operating from a place of weakness. When you operate from a place of weakness, the probability of you losing has tremendously increased. Mm. On the onset, before you've even gotten started, you're already mm. losing. Mm. And so I think it's helping people understand what is a real democracy? Like, yeah. I think we, that, don't, we don't know what that looks like, right? I don't think we even understand our government. And that yeah. has a lot to do with the type of educational system we yes. are raised in. So we don't even understand these things. Yeah. And then even if we understand, like I said, the science of it, we still don't then overlay it with power dynamics because we're, we are taught democracy so vanilla, right? It's can, it's packaged, and it's not the essence of how to make this stuff work. There's giving right. you the instruction manual. Just show up on election day. Yay. And then yeah, go and back. Then, and yeah. If you show up somehow. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so we're never really taught power. And again, that's right. intentional. And so yeah. I think that for me, it starts with that understanding, establishing mm -hmm. a premise that mm -hmm. let's start with you have the power, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you understand what that means? If not, let's un let's unpack power. Yeah. Make sure you understand. And then the next question is, do you want to exercise it directly or do you want to hire Giovanna or Christina to exercise it on your behalf? Mm. And that also takes an honest conversation, right? It's like weight loss. <laughs> you can lose five pounds a week, but it's going to take a different level of engagement than if you right. want to lose a pound a week. Right. So right. I think it's those kind of very honest, deliberate foundation setting conversations. Right. Experts like me and you who can be hired as weight loss professionals to help them get to their goals. <laughs> but if they haven't taken what I call, you know, that foundation inventory setting things about mm -hmm. what is it you want to achieve? How realistic are you going to be to set time aside to do it? We can come in and then guide you, hold you accountable to help you execute it, to make it happen. But again, just like with weight loss, you have the power to lose it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's not going to be in some, you know, magic drink. <laughs> Right. Or some, you know, HGTV, it's, it's not going to happen that way. <laughs> it has to start with those basic fundamentals of power, what realistically they're going to do to exercise their power, whether it's them directly or if they're going to delegate it to a professional yeah. um, who can help them do it. I totally love that you started with mindset because you're right. We are so conditioned to be checked out when it comes to any of this stuff. I like that concept of the grass tops and organizing the grass tops leaders versus what you said, everyone, which then becomes super overwhelming and you can't do it. It's just too much. If you can, you can't sustain it yeah. because those people who you've now organized need to be managed. So the grass tops leaders, getting them into the right mindset, teaching them that they have, that the people have the power already. It's just really a question of recognizing it and exercising it and then activating it. I came up with a formula. Building power is expanding and growing your networks and then activating them so that you're all doing one thing together. Everything you just said, the dynamics would change completely around so many things if we were able to activate networks to, to move. And when you see the backwards stuff happening, it's because those networks have been activated That's and right. not and not the other ones. I think the institutions that um, are most prepared to mobilize, and I would go as far as saying need to get their act together, 
mm. is the faith community. Mm. The reason I say that because they're already organized institutions. You yes. know, I always like to say yes. that for community, they were the unions before unions existed. Yeah, they were the already organized spaces where people went for insight on you know daily living and that networking kind of stuff. So to me, I feel that many faith leaders have dropped the ball as it relates to being relevant yeah. in this day and age. Yeah. What you now see is this perverse relationship where the faith community is not leading the way it should, but then it has enough nerve to attack electeds because of how they're leading. Mm. That's why I think power is so important because you have to understand that power is, period. If you use it and exercise it or not, it's going to be picked up and used and exercised by someone else. Right. So just as I said, the community has power. If it decides not to use it, somebody else will on their behalf. Yeah. That's and right. then they become reactionary to the result. And then you get upset, but you should be upset at yourself because you didn't exercise the power when that's at your availability. Yeah. So um, very specifically on that, on that topic. Create genuine connections with your biggest supporters using text. Subtext is an award-winning texting platform that connects hosts with subscribers free from the chaos of social media and the clutter of email. Learn more by going to joinsubtext.com. Using build tracking software shouldn't be rocket science. We know that your time is valuable. Fast Democracy is a streamlined and easy-to-use build tracker that saves you time and allows you to focus on what really matters, advocating for policy. Visit fastdemocracy.com to learn more, and don't forget to use the promo code BLUEPRINT. You know, I look at some of the things that, you know, have consumed our attention recently, right? So you think, look at the mass shooting here in Sacramento. Mm. And I've been involved with, you know, a lot of faith leadership locally. Some of the things that I, I, I hear them talking about shows how just truly not um, engaged at the foundation level, right? Which I think is key for people like that in their roles who truly mm -hmm. are at the grassroots level. You hear things coming out like, we need to pass policies to get rid of all guns. That's, that's just not realistic, Yeah. right? I think yeah. you can look at how do you better regulate guns, but their job should be, how do you begin to work on all the other things that are causing people to go misuse guns. The conditions <laughs> right? that create that. So right. that's their job. And if yeah. they were focusing on that job, then some of the things that people like you and I, elected officials are working on would go away. Yeah, yeah. There'd be less of those things if they were focused on those things. Right. So I see oftentimes, you know, the faith community talk about things like abortion or same-sex marriage. No disrespect to those issues, but those things for faith leaders, in my opinion, are distractions. Mm -hmm. because if a person is poor, mm -hmm. right, I think we should be less concerned about who they're sleeping with at night. In my opinion. <laughs> right. 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 I totally agree. Um, I feel like person, those, those distractions were created to be distractions. I agree. I agree. And, and yeah. again, I think that's where we need more sophisticated faith leaders who aren't fooled by the distractions. Right. Because then what happens is, is they take the bait and then they become divisive. Yeah. I think that the way the faith community can really help elected leaders is by focusing on exactly what changing mindsets, right? They're, no matter what faith leader you're talking about, Jesus Christ, Muhammad, Buddha, what really they've all come to help improve the mindset, improve the heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. To really focus and focus on humanity, the right. what we used to call the collective good. 
Yeah, yeah. That is the primary role of the faith community. Right. If they were doing that effectively, right. then how people show up in spaces will look dramatically different. It's funny because as you're saying faith leader, it's clearly not all of them because Correct. we know there's plenty of faith leaders, maybe not in California, well, in some parts of California, that are very aware of how they can mobilize and exercise their power and their ability to influence their congregations. Problem is most of the time it's really backward and terrible. And yep. those are the ones that you hear about. I didn't plan to talk about religion, but that's what makes me upset is because those are the people who are out there that you think of as a faith leader. When you talk about these faith leaders that are more consumed with mask mandates. Yeah, yeah. Or the ability to carry a gun. Or trans children. Correct. But you don't see the same level of furiousness or anger yes. when you have city council district two in the city of Sacramento, which has six shootings a month or a week. And we don't call it a mass shooting Yeah. or went without a full service grocery store wow. from 1989 to 2016. Wow. Where was the outrage when you had right. a community who had to drive six plus miles to find a grocery store that served fresh fruit. By the way, this council district has per capita the most churches than any other council district in the city. That's deep. That's deep. So again, there's an order and that's the whole power conversation. So with that particular community who has a spiritual leaning, not only do they have this secular power that's been endued to them because of the, the constitution, but you are also now saying you have this higher power that's been given to you, but you then have to step back and say, well, what are you doing with it? Mm. I'm marveling that we started with local government. <laughs> and now I feel like we're really deep into what the nature of power is. This is a masterclass. This is what your high school civics class that you have to take to check the graduation box doesn't tell you. Doesn't I was a political you. science major at Sac State. I didn't learn. I didn't learn any of the power dynamics. Nope. Nope. And so if we're not having a conversation about power, yeah, then we're part of the problem ourselves, right? No matter what level of government we choose to focus on or if lobbyists or electives, right, right. we have to always be talking about power and uh, we have to provide data. And so, you know, for instance, in, you know, I'll use Sacramento because that's where we're based. You look at these council districts, right? Each district is about 80,000 people. And most of these districts, you're lucky if 25 to 30,000 of the people are registered to vote. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In the last election cycle, the highest performing district had about 13,000 votes. That was District 4, which is downtown, which is, wow. you know, you're more business friendly, more sophisticated. Right. So we're saying that in a district where 30,000 people are registered, if we're lucky, about 14,000 are voting. Mm. I then looked at the school district numbers, right? The school board election. Yep. In that same district, about 7,800 people voted for the school board candidate. Wow. So now what you're saying in the analogy of the tail wagging the dog, you're having a minority of the people actually participating in elections. Yeah. Guess what the next crazy statistic is? You have an even greater fall off of those who pay attention to the governance side. Yeah. Now you're about down to 10% of the people of the population who is eligible to vote and yeah. engage, engaged. Then about another tenth of that ten percent will ever show up to a school board meeting or council meeting. Yeah, yeah. Then we get mad. <laughs> right, right. When our schools are bad. Right, right. But that is a power conversation, and that's an honest conversation about do, do you truly want power, or do you truly want to lose weight? <laughs> 
Well, not, okay. So yeah. to be devil's advocate and, yeah. and to be fair, right. You know, the other reality is working parents most of the time don't have the energy or the time. Yes. To, to, I mean, and to me, all of this is part of how inequality works. Yeah. You're so busy working to put food on the table. Yeah. You can't even think about that. That's yeah. like the last thing you're thinking about is going to a school board meeting. I mean, I know I should go to a school board meeting and I yeah. don't. Why? Because at the end of the day, I'm completely exhausted and I don't consider myself having half or any of the problems that other working people have. But, Jovan, you know? But that's why grass top leaders are so important. Yeah. Because once you've been hired, appointed, elected, whatever to be a, a grass top leader, whether that's a pastor, a lobbyist, right? A school board member, you're a grass top leader in yeah. some effect. Yeah. Some of those things, unfortunately, have to take a back seat, right? Yeah. So when you said, I'm going to be a lobbyist for labor union, that means sometimes you kind of work late and kid has to get picked up by somebody else. That's just the nature of the business. Yeah. So when we talk about these community grass top leaders, you know, these pastors, these nonprofit organization leaders, they don't have the luxury to not be astute. Mm. They don't. And again, I'm not faulting them. It's the people who allow for them to lead them mm -hmm. that have to demand better leadership and have to expect and understand better leadership is required in this season. And so if I'm going to a church, for example, and now ballot harvesting is legal. So if I'm going to a church and my church has, you know, 100, 200 regular attending parishioners, then it's important that I know that my church is probably connected to really five, six, 700 people. Because each one of those people have someone that they have some influence. That's usually how this stuff works. Yeah. So then if I'm not turning one of my services the Sunday or two or three before the election into a ballot harvesting thing, that I'm now controlling the outcome of a school board race or right. a city council race, right. that's my fault. Right. If I'm not bringing in someone because maybe I don't have the time, if I'm not creating an internship opportunity to a young person whose sole job is to pay attention to what's on the agenda every Tuesday at Sacramento City Council and then flagging for me key terms of what to look out for and to flag me so then we know to show up or submit a letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my fault as a quote unquote leader. To me, this falls on the shoulders of the leaders. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, I, I go back to the people need to demand better from their leaders. But again, it's the whole, like, I'm dealing with the fallout of not having good leadership. And that is all I can process. So when you talk about the local government piece, I think that's a great place to start mm -hmm. because the numbers are fathomable, right? Yes, yes. From a money standpoint, you know, you yes. can make a major impact on a that's city right. council race cutting that's a hundred dollar right. check, right? And if you don't have a hundred dollar check to cut, then your church can every person give a dollar kind of thing. So you can make an impact with also those numbers. Are yes, battling, it's right? the numbers. It's the numbers of the voters. It's doable. You can actually do that. Yes. So 100%. if you're that grass top leader, right. and hopefully you know how to organize that number that I gave, you know, school board, 7,800 voters, can you go get 14 other pastors who also have congregants of 500? Then you ensure with a science that 100% of your members have voted the way you want. Why? Because you've done ballot har harvesting. You've done a night where you help them fill out their ballot. Then before they leave, they put their ballots in the box and then right. you go turn it in. That's right. power. Growing the network and then yeah. activating, right? Everyone right. moves forward on the same agenda at the same time. And you know what's really messed up? And to me, the tragedy of it all is the people who want 
our country to go backward, they're doing that right now. They are activating all across the country to take over school boards. Why? To do the type of things that is just unconscionable, right? And they're being remarkably effective. So we need to get with the program and also start doing these things. So when you talk about taking us backwards, that all deals with the power dynamic. Mm -hmm. Part of taking us backwards is there are certain people that want energy to look a certain way. They want it to be gas and oil dependent. Why? Because their business model is based around- (laughs) Follow the money, yes. Right? There are certain people that want to go to these emerging technologies because their businesses can benefit and it makes them, i.e., more powerful. The more business they get, the more larger checks they can write, which means they are now more powerful. Yeah. Again, it's impossible to have these conversations if we don't talk about the power behind them. So the reason why money is put ahead of people is because now you can write checks that overshadow people. Yes. I've seen people come in and change council meeting hearings and never showed up because they were able to write a large enough check and win over people. There was a hundred people in the council chamber. Yeah. So that check beat out the hundred people showing up to that council chamber. Yeah. But we have to understand it can't be one or the other for communities, particularly poor communities. We have to understand how to pool our resources, yes, our yeah. people power and our money. Yes. And that will forever be a winning strategy as long as you're clear and have a focus and a strategy. One of the things I talk about a lot is for these 501c3 organizations that do a lot of righteous community work and saying, you got to get in on the C4 side. There's only so much you're going to do with the way you're doing it right now. And listen, none of us invented this, like it's the game. Is it ideal? Hell no. It sucks that we have to deal with money, but raise money and be creative on how you do it. If everyone gives a little bit and you get a lot of people, that's the same as one person with a lot of money. Give it and give it to the 10 Xers. So people like myself, yourself, we are good investments. So we have to go beyond just financial capital literacy. We have to look at human capital literacy. Everybody in the community saying what we're saying aren't good investments. Mm. And we have to look at people's track. We can't give people passes because maybe they're the same racial group as us, mm. right? Or they're the same, you know, partisan group as us. We do too much of that, particularly in my community. I see oftentimes that we won't necessarily hold you know, black electeds to the same accountability standards as we do white electeds. Or as Democrats, we don't hold Democrats to the same accountability That's as true. we will a Republican. That's a hundred percent. Yes. And the people in the community are standing back on the sidelines watching this. And so that also breeds apathy because then they're like, who's, who has the integrity? Who has the honesty in this? So again, I think that for people that are truly trying to have that honest conversation, that authentic conversation, those are the 10 Xers. And we have to increase our conversation around capital that it's the three important parts, financial, which is money, intellectual, which is ideas Mm -hmm. that are priceless. And then there's the human capital. And when you look at any successful entity, organization, or movement, we look at all great empires. They had those three things. They had strong financial capital, literacy, understanding, strong intellectual capital, literacy, understanding, and a strong human capital, literacy, understanding. So whether you're trying to build a movement or you're trying to build a country, yeah. You don't have those three things inherently. You do not have power. <laughs> that in and of itself is power. This has been a really great conversation. We started one place, we ended another, but I prefer that because to me, that means it's an organic conversation and I, I don't want to be canned. We've hit the essence. Like you said, that's power. And 
hopefully people can take from that pieces that they can start applying. And I, I really like the idea. In fact, you, you gave me something there, which is that the focus is on the grass tops. I hadn't really kind of thought of it that way because you're right. It's the leaders of the people in the communities that are the ones that have this ability. I thank you so much for your time. This has been great. It reminds me of our conversations we used to have all the time in the office. Any parting words of wisdom? Yeah, I'm just extremely pleased with who you've evolved into. As you've evolved, you've still been able to keep a grip on what's right and wrong. Yeah. And not keeping that to yourself and are looking to share with others. Yeah. Because even though you don't articulate it, that is the greater good, right? Yeah, so I'm right. just happy with what you're doing and whatever I can do to support and be of help, just let me know. Oh, I appreciate that very much. If you're liking the content that I am producing, I would love to hear from you. Please connect with me on Twitter. I'm at KBossHamilton, K-B-A-S Hamilton. Would love to hear your thoughts, get your feedback, suggestions for future episodes, and leave a positive review. I would also appreciate that. That lets other people know that they should check out the podcast as well. Thank you.